Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Death Space Fill in the Void. Man, I've been reading this book called How to Change Your Mind. I read the subtitle, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. Whew. It talks about like the history of, of magic mushrooms, how it alters how people think afterwards, what... Like, why these chemicals, why mushrooms would produce this chemical that does this to us in the first place, right? All of nature produces things to help the organism in their lives or, or to extend the species in some way. Trees produce fruit so that we eat them and the seeds get carried so that hopefully more trees will, will grow. So what's the advantage of magic mushrooms? Well, and so it's just so interesting to read about how many people who say their lives change after having a magic mushroom. It's just, it's all very interesting to me, as you can tell, just bursting, bursting out of the episode with this. <laughs> yeah, check it out, though. It's it's by Michael Pollan. Pollan? Definitely recommend it. Getting a little close to Halloween here, huh? Have you started watching scary movies? Four fingers over your eyes. There's the little peak. As if that makes it any better. <laughs> oh, I'm such a baby. But one thing that Jamie and I watched, uh, Midnight Mass. For people who like this podcast, it's probably something you'd be interested in. You know, if you can stand some vampires. Nothing is a spoil here, but there's a lot to talk about. Or the characters talk a lot about, about what happens when you die. and A lot of food for thought. Big fan of uh, Mike Flanagan, the director who also did uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor and The Haunting of Hill House and the movie Hush. He also said he wanted to do a horror movie in the Star Wars universe, which, yes, like, why aren't there rom-coms in the Star Wars universe? Horror, where it's, like, not too Star Wars-y, but it's set in that world. That's what makes The Mandalorian so fun. It's just, like, these smaller-scale stories. Anyway, nerve ran over. We've got an amazing episode for you today. I say we as if... Someone else is here with me. <laughs> Just talking. I view the microphone as another person. I had on another author, Maria Green, who unfortunately had a miscarriage somewhat recently. Then she was brave enough, open enough, honest enough to share her story. And we focused a lot about what not to say to someone who's had a miscarriage. Because we, and this has come up on this podcast quite a bit, we, there's this impulse to fix to say something that magically fixes uh, someone's pain as opposed to holding space and just kind of asking them what it is uh, they'd like from you, right? Let them lead, let them show you what they need and just being okay that things might be a little bit uncomfortable for you for a little bit because it sure as hell is uncomfortable for them. Uh, before we get to that interview, I just want to remind you to, if you're liking the show, rate and review it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, wherever you're listening. And then check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, my other podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety. Just wrapped up season two there, recording the third season. So you can check those episodes out. All right, let's get to the interview with Maria Green. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Joining me on the podcast now is Maria Green. Maria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Why don't we start by you introducing yourself a little bit to, to everybody? 
Sure. So like you said, my name is Maria Green. Most people who know me know me uh, Maria Ann Green because that's all my signatures on everything because Maria and Green are just too common. So yeah, I, throw I go by my... Patrick D. Jones often uh, online just yeah, to yeah. differentiate. Yeah, that's true. Online, that's how people know me. People in real life do not use all three. Right. <laughs> that would be weird. But it's kind of started for me as an author going by all three. And I'm an indie author. I've been writing, publishing for years. And within the last year, I've gotten much more vocal on my social media, on my Instagram about miscarriage. After I had my own miscarriage earlier this summer, I work really hard to have that conversation, make it more vocal, make it more out in the open, because I think that's a huge problem for a lot of parents who have a loss is they don't know how common it is. They don't know they're not alone. And it's a really difficult conversation that I think is not had enough. So after my miscarriage, that has been something that's super important to me. I've also written a few books now about my miscarriage. So I've sort of combined those two parts of my life as an author and as a miscarriage mom. I think that's incredible. Uh, of course, you know, we connected on Instagram and, and this was something I immediately expressed to you that it was a blind spot for me. There was a, a previous guest, Sarah Ezrin, who talked about it in, we were mostly talking about the loss of her mother, but then we got into talking about the miscarriage and just all the things that people said to her to try and quote unquote fix were cringeworthy. And so when I saw that you wrote about these things, I wanted to do this because it's a blind spot for me, like exactly what you're saying. People aren't talking about this and it must feel so devastating. So thank yes. you for the work that you do. Yes. It's, so I would do it whether people liked it or not. Um, <laughs> I've gotten very vocal and very loud about it. Honestly, years before I ever had my miscarriage, for some reason, it was really important to me to talk about that conversation. And now I feel like maybe this is why, or at least I've got the platform now. But I've always been very vocal about it because I don't think it's so horrible. It is so life-changing. And I never really knew that until it happened to me. And you have no idea how common it is. And you feel like nobody you know has ever lost a child and it's never going to happen to you. Like I honestly never considered it until it happened. And nobody knows how to talk about it because nobody talks about it. That's why I think I've gotten so loud about the conversation and trying to get people to talk about it more because the more common it is, the less alone someone's going to feel. Yeah. And the easier it is to ask, what should I say? Because there's a whole lot of stuff that I've shared on my Instagram that I have heard or friends of mine, things we've heard that like, I know the intent is kindness to try to help, to try to fix, but you can't fix this. And so in the end, a lot of things that people fall back onto are like cliched phrases, which it makes sense. It's something you've heard. It's something that's easy to say that you hope will help that often ends up hurting. And yeah. so I did a whole series of those things not to say on my Instagram. And Could you give us a few for instance? Yes, absolutely. My favorites, quote unquote favorites, my <laughs> least favorites that I've heard are everything happens for a reason. No. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that a lot. And it makes me so... It doesn't even make me sad anymore. It makes me 
furious. And it's I'm not furious at the person, but I'm furious that as a society, we can't talk about grief and we've made this such a stigmatized issue that women feel guilt and blame over when it's not anyone's fault when it happens. And it happens so commonly and nobody knows it that nobody knows what to say. And saying everything happens for a reason really makes my blood boil because in essence, I know, I know the intent is to make you feel better and make you feel like it's not your fault. And that sort of, I know that's what comes behind it. But in essence, when you say that, what you're saying to this parent who's had a loss is that you should have lost your child and there's a reason for it. There's no Mm. good reason for it. And that's what we hear. That's what we internalize a lot of us. And I think the best way to go about this conversation is to ask the person you're talking to, what is comforting? What isn't comforting? Because I found that some people are different. Some people don't mind that phrase. A lot of us absolutely hate it. And I am one of them. Another one, everything happens for a reason. It just wasn't meant to be. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, You deserve this pain. Right. A lot of people who have like a strong faith. I've heard people say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. (laughs) Okay. Also, another thing I don't want to hear because I don't care if I can handle it. I don't want to be handling it. Yeah. I'm pulling pulling up. When my mom had cancer, I remember people saying, if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. So it's like, so the people who die of cancer are god wanted you know what i mean it's just like right what they didn't do anything wrong they just got cancer and passed i know and so it's i i know that people are trying to help when they say these i'm sorry stupid things but i think we need i think we need more education as a society about this so they don't accidentally hurt people's feelings because i know that intent is not there but it some of this stuff is really devastating i just pulled up my instagram while we're talking so that i can remind myself of some of these things because i don't like to think about it obviously and so i sort of forget what people say as time goes on i hear a lot less of it but i, but know I do thank I, you i i just wanted to be clear. like thank you so much for i know that this must be painful and oh and, you know and what? And traumatic. I say, I say, truly, I am changed. Like, I'm not the same person as I was before. It changed my entire life. I work with other um, women and parents who have a loss. I am a life coach, a support. I talk about this all the time. And I am... I am to a place where I am healed enough to talk about it without usually being re-triggered. Usually the things that do re-trigger are these sort of things. Mm-hmm. So let me let me go over. I know you asked, um, and I think it's a really important thing just for people to know. Not to say, oh, some people will say at least it was early. I know. I know. It really makes me, <laughs> it makes me so mad. And I don't sound mad because I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. Um, at least it was early is one that I hate because I don't care if you're pregnant for one day. I don't care if you have a child who has SIDS, who was born. You are still losing a child. You're still losing a future. You're still losing. There are many layers and complications to this type of grief. And I know they're trying to help you feel better when they say that is like, okay, well, you didn't have 40 weeks to build all this up and at least it was early. Doesn't matter. To most of us, it doesn't matter. Another one that I've heard personally a lot that really makes me angry is, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. At least you got pregnant. And that I think it's even more complicated because infertility 
plays into a lot of that for some of us. It's just another layer that you don't know if someone is dealing with infertility because sometimes getting pregnant isn't the issue. It's staying pregnant. And and just because you got pregnant one time does not mean you can again. If you're right. dealing with infertility, if you're doing IVF and you don't have money anymore, if there's a thousand million reasons that maybe you can't get pregnant again. And you know what? Maybe I could get pregnant 20 more times, but if I lose 20 more pregnancies, how is that helpful that I can get pregnant? You know, right. there's some, that one, honestly, that at least it was early and at least, you know, you can get pregnant are probably the two most common that I hear and that I hear from my, my friends in this community that I've built around this is just frustrating. A lot of these stem from a desire to fix and right. And that's yes. something that's come up often on this podcast for whatever reason that, why do you think we feel a need to fix? Is it just like the discomfort uh, that we feel around someone who's grieving? What I'm curious what you think. I think that absolutely plays a huge part in it. I think because we never talk about it, because grief in general, not just miscarriage, I think grief in general is not talked enough about. I had a friend on Instagram who sub- suggested this book to me to read. It's called There Is No Good Card for This. And it's by Kelsey Crow and Emily McDowell. I absolutely highly suggest anybody to read it. When you mention cancer, that is a theme. It's This book is about all grief. They only touch on like miscarriage sort of grief a little bit. And it's just how as a society, we don't talk about grief. So it's super uncomfortable. It's super, you know, it's scary. I think part of it too is people really worry about saying the wrong thing. So they say the first thing that comes to mind or they say they try to fix it. And I think that another part of it is without that education, people don't know that they can't fix it. And I also think Usually someone, I mean, we're all in general, we're not all, but a lot of us have good intent. We want to be kind. We're usually talking to someone we care about and our often our automatic instinct is to protect, to care for, to fix, is to help someone feel better. And if we don't know what we're saying is harmful, then we're doing the opposite of that. But the other thing is we genuinely think it is helpful because we don't have that. I think I think the fact that nobody talks about it and that there is not a great education on grief in our society that that really plays into a lot of it. I think that yeah, we want to help and then we say the wrong thing. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, let's help the people out. What are what are some things that maybe you found helpful or things you wish people would have said to you? Okay, that is perfect. I love that. So I had a week-long conversation on my Instagram um, where different days we talked about different things. One of them was what not to say. And then um, people would share some things that you could say, which I absolutely loved hearing some of those. And I've put some of mine together. I'm not a huge list, but in general, my first suggestion is be super open. Say, I don't know what to say. (laughs) That is the best thing to hear is I don't know what to say. And then they can take the lead because everybody's different. There are some people who just don't want to talk about it. There's some people who don't want to hear anything other than that. And then there's some people who want to hear a whole lot, talk a whole lot, and it's super individual. And I think for any sort of grief, you know, cancer, losing a parent, losing a child, losing a partner, anything like that, everybody is super individual. And so I think the first thing is just to say, I don't know what to say, you know, what, 
how do you want to go about this? How do you, whatever. Um, but things that you can say if you don't want to start with that is just, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. It is a loss. Don't say at least it was early. It was still a loss. And then I'm here for you. That's another great one. Instead of saying any of those things to try to help them, that is still a way to comfort. That is still a way to fix if you want to fix is I'm here for you. What can I do for you? How can I help you? What do you need from me? Those sort of things that is still fixing without throwing out these cliches that might hurt yeah. is more of what can I do for you? What do you need from me? Or just the easy I'm here for you. That sounds and so hard. It, it, that must really hurt. Yes. Like being seen, having yes. your, your pain seen in someone else. Yes. And I mean, the person may just break down and cry right there, but that you're you're giving them a, a shoulder or a space to yes. do that. Yes, yes, and it's uncomfortable. It's always going to be uncomfortable unless it's your best friend or your partner. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. But as long as you're okay with that, if your intent was to help, then you just suck it up and sit in the uncomfortability. You know, that's just that's mm -hmm. what I say. Is if someone cries, if you hate crying, maybe text them and say, "I'm here for you." You know, what can I do for you? And that's okay. I love reach outs in any form. I don't care. And I know a lot of people are like that. You text me, you email me, you call me, you do it face to face. I don't care. It's nice just to know that someone is there for you. Um, another, yeah. right. And another one, I think sort of how we talked about in the beginning of, I don't know what to say. Another good one is just straight up asking, do you want to talk about it? Um, Cause some people do, some people don't is I'm so sorry for your loss. Do you want to talk about it? And they'll lead the conversation then because some people aren't ready. Some people want to talk about it all day long, like I do <laughs> with other people, yeah. you know, and I ask about theirs. But I will say one other thing that I forgot to mention of things that I really don't think are helpful. And I think it's an easy thing to do is there's a difference in positivity and toxic positivity, saying things like, it'll happen again. You can get pregnant again. You can have another baby. Not everyone can, not everyone wants to, not everyone is ready. That's something that I've actually seen someone say is you can just have another baby. And that's really hard because for us, it's not a replacement. You know, it is another child. It is another sibling. It is a new baby, not a replacement. And yes, they are filling some sort of place in your heart, but it's not replacing, it's adding. That's one of those things, toxic positivity, being positive just to be positive isn't helpful. You know, some people will say like, oh, at least you're young, you have a bunch of years to try. I, and again, that's another one of those things like you don't know about infertility, you don't know about any of that stuff. So it may I be think, the end of the road. Yeah, it yeah, maybe. Right? You don't, did they and have a stacked on top, right? Yeah. Of, you have a pain right? Was it, was it super traumatic? Did they have a hysterectomy and they can't have a child? Mm. Did their partner die and they can't have a, you know I, what I mean? Any, anything could be. And if, unless you know for sure, this is a positive thing that is going to help them. Generally, I try to tell people to beware of toxic positivity. I feel it's a problem in our culture. Just be almost forcing too positive. And right. There's you know, a line between optimism and, and being unrealistic. In yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so again, I default to the very best, the two most suggested things, the very best things I ever heard are, I don't know what to say. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And usually I hear them together. And to me, that's all I need. I just need to know that you're here for me. I just need to know you're feeling sorry with me. And I, that's all I need. 
yeah. and I'll tell you if I want to talk more. I'll tell you, you know. Because the opposite of, of not knowing what to say and not saying anything yes. is really painful, at least to the people that I've interviewed for this podcast. Yes, yes. And I will say, I, in my conversations, I've talked to a lot of different types of people in a lot of different personalities. And some people say that silence is better than saying the wrong thing the wrong thing. I've heard that. And that genuinely surprised me because to me, silence hurts way more than saying some of these things that we mentioned in the beginning that are hurtful. I would still rather hear that than silence for me because it means they're trying. Some people, those things are so triggering. They would rather hear nothing. So it really depends on the person. So I think instead of saying some of these things that are, could be hurtful, just say, I'm sorry and leave it at that because that is so much better than silence because yeah. that's not something that's ever going to be wrong and it's so much better than silence. For me, I would rather hear something stupid than hear nothing. If you're someone I care about, if you're a stranger, say nothing. Please well, just Yeah, say let's nothing. say it's it's your birthday <laughs> and and no one reaches out or comes to your party or whatever. It, it's similar in that sense except it's like I needed you here just to show up. Yep. And that could be through a text as you're describing. Yes. And for me, that's why I also love, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. Tell me what you need if it's nothing. And I think sort of what you talked about, I think it's really a cultural thing that we want to fix. We want mm-hmm. to, we want to make it better. And there are some things you just can't make better. And so just listening versus giving advice, I think is another really good pointer when it comes to miscarriages, pregnancy loss, infant loss, stillbirth, all of these things that fall into this category of child loss. It's really complicated and it's never going to be easy. And I think knowing that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> knowing this isn't, this is going to be uncomfortable, but if you care about someone, th- they will probably want to hear from you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you spoke a few times mentioning how common this is. Do you have maybe a, a statistic or that, that can yeah. help explain that? When it comes to miscarriage, in general, they lump all miscarriages together, whatever type. It's one in four. One no. in four. Yes. Oh one in four pregnancies and a miscarriage. Not just one in four people, which it is also one in four people. But yes. Um, and that's because it can end really early. And sometimes we don't know we have a miscarriage. There are chemical pregnancies where you find out and then the next day, two days, three days later, the pregnancy test starts fading. Mm. It can be really early. And I think part of the one in four is we know our technology has really improved and we know so much earlier than we ever used to. I have to look up really quick Stillbirth is higher. I believe it's one in a hundred, which is still a shocking number. And stillbirth is is the baby is born. Not and breathing. Is not, yep. Not, okay. Yep. Has already passed. About the definition. Yep. Yep. And so generally, when you talk about that, it's usually a numbers game. It's a date. Before twenty weeks is usually considered a miscarriage, and after twenty weeks, when you have to deliver, is usually considered a stillbirth. But when you have a miscarriage. They are already passed usually. 
and so it's it's very similar in how you talk about it. Um, my miscarriage was in the second trimester, so it was a late miscarriage. It was close to being a stillbirth. I was very lucky. I had the choice to decide between surgery or birth, and then I could have called it stillbirth. It's really tricky, okay. and different yeah. people will say different things. Sorry, I want to look this up now that I said it. I believe it's stillbirth so it says one in 160 i've also seen one in 100 it's much more common than you ever think it would be and i think it's becoming a little bit more talked about which is really good because for me i think the shock factor is such a huge thing you have to get over because i i have a daughter who's almost six. sorry she just turned six and so this was my second pregnancy and it was so shocking i was shaken to the core and it you you lose more than just the baby you lose the innocence in pregnancy because now your next pregnancy you are going to be so scared the whole time maybe i know i'm going to be some people won't but you lose more than just the baby too because you had no idea how common it was because people don't talk about it so miscarriage is one in four infertility is one in eight one in eight couples will face some form of infertility and um, stillbirth. Looking it up right now, anyone can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe um, it's somewhere between one in 100 and one in 160. Okay. So it's either one of them. I mean, you expect those who don't anticipate it expect thousands, you know, a number in one in a million, one in a thousand. No. Um, no. Miscarriage is one in four. Oh if you goodness. know four women you probably know someone who's had a miscarriage. Wow. My goodness. Yeah, I know. That, that's, that blows me away. The I know. That, you know, we're all talking, well, you and I are talking about how little this is talked about. And it's like, that's more common than like getting the flu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, I really stress this in some of like, I'll pull up a post right now where I literally, the post is one in four. It says I'm one in four. I um, that is a fourth of women. That is 25% of the population, of the female population, that has had a miscarriage, that has lost a child. Yeah. If there's 300 million people in this country, about, and 150 million, let's say, are women, that means almost 30 million women have had, I mean, just trying to yeah. do the math off the, that, yeah. such a staggering number. I know it's crazy and sometimes women don't know again I was starting to mention is that our technology has grown so much we can find out so early when we're pregnant like days before you even miss a period uh, that number I think is so staggering because we know so much more about these than we used to like you know back in the 50s or earlier or whatever you know, before our technology was quite so advanced, you may not have known. Maybe you just, you know, thought you were late, whatever. And so part of it is it's not that it's changed, that we have more miscarriages, which could play into it too. Mm -hmm. But it's also we just know about more of them. But there's still some of us Good point. Who, yeah. you know, and there's still some of us who maybe know maybe we had one, but we don't know. And there are undocumented ones there. It's, it is super complex, right? But yes, that is the general accepted statistic. A lot of times you'll find like a little asterisk, a little caveat that that is one in four estimated because wow. we say it's that or higher. 
Um, I don't think this is going to be a one size fits all. You can use yourself Never. as an example. What is a, what does a miscarriage look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Yes. So super complex. I will mostly get in just what I know. For me, I don't know statistically what's more common, what they call a missed miscarriage versus a miscarriage. So a miscarriage is technically if you start losing the baby, your body realizes it before you ever find it out at the doctor's on a sonogram, whatever. Mine was a missed miscarriage because my body was not reacting. I wasn't bleeding. I wasn't cramping. I had no pain. I had no idea. And that's super common. And they all fall under miscarriage. You know, it is a miscarriage. It was a missed miscarriage. Some people um, care more about that label than others. I don't. Some people do. I never had any symptoms because I went in on a Wednesday for my ultrasound Um, Within seconds, our tech told us that there was no longer a heartbeat and everything moved really fast, thankfully, because it was on a Wednesday. I was very nervous. I did not want to go through the weekend without having my surgery. To me, that was more trauma if I had to sit, sit in it, knowing it, not being able to do anything um, because a body can take a long time to naturally miscarry, especially when it's missed. Um, If your body hasn't started reacting before you find out, you know, And everybody is different, but I didn't have any pain. I didn't have any cramping. That is super common. Cramping, bleeding, pain. And that can kind of happen out of nowhere. It could just be like almost one day you wake up and and someone could just feel immense pain that doesn't feel right. And that's the thing. I think those of us who have had a miscarriage, if we have future pregnancies, we spend the entire pregnancy overanalyzing. Every time we go to the bathroom, we check for blood. Every time, you know, we feel a pain. Pregnancy is really, really, really uncomfortable. Personally, I hate being pregnant. I have really hard pregnancies. I have high-risk pregnancies, and I hate being pregnant. I love my babies, but I hate being pregnant. And so um, knowing that I get really uncomfortable, I get really nauseous, I have a lot of sort of like achy pain, and um, ligaments are moving, bones are moving, muscles are moving. And so you're going to have pain and uncomfortability, but and then you're overanalyzing. Is this normal? Is this too mm-hmm. much? Is it indigestion, right? Are you just yeah, having yeah. that. Is it day? gas? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously. And so I think that those who never have a miscarriage, I would never wish it on anyone, not even my worst enemy. So I'm so thankful. There are so many people who have never had it um, and will never have to. But I think that there is a loss of that innocence in pregnancy in just your, I never knew to be so scared in my first one, you know, it's, it's, it is, is an anxiety provoking thing. It's, you're always wanting everything to be okay, but it's not to the same level that it will be for me next time. I would say the biggest thing to, and I am not a medical professional. I will say that right now, but for me, the biggest worry is abnormal bleeding and um, abnormal cramps. And anytime if you're worried, always reach out to your doctor because I, if they get annoyed, probably need a new doctor because they should not be getting annoyed, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, because it is, they can always check in. They can do, you know, more tests. They can draw your blood. They can, if it's too early for a heartbeat, you know, once there's a heartbeat, they can do a Doppler. They can do an ultrasound. Um, there are always things to check. And so if you're concerned, call. 
if you're concerned, call. That is always, always my advice because even if there's nothing that they can do, even if they can't stop it, knowing is going to help your health, is going to help your mental health. It just is what it is. But bleeding and cramping are the two things that I sort of have in my mind associated with what to be wary of. And it's so hard because in pregnancy, a little bit of cramping can be normal. Spotting. I'd imagine, is, yeah. Yeah, spotting, not unheard of. You can spot throughout your whole pregnancy. Spotting is a light form of bleeding for those who don't necessarily know that term. It's one of those things that if I'm spotting, I will call. Not everyone feels that way because you can spot and have a super healthy pregnancy, healthy baby be fine. But for me, after having gone through this, any blood and any cramping will concern me mm -hmm. um, because of that, you know? And so there are lots of ways in early miscarriage, often what's done, you can choose between naturally miscarrying, you take a medication, you can miscarry at the hospital, at home, whatever, or between the surgery, which is called a D and C. I had, because my miscarriage was later, I did not have the choice between miscarrying naturally. It was fairly late. I was almost 17 weeks pregnant. And so I had the choice between what's called a D and E, super similar, just what they do later. It's a different type of surgery, it's still surgery. You know, extracting what has passed and all of the tissue and everything, and or being induced and delivering. I remember the stress I felt having to switch from Final Cut Pro to Premiere. They're both video editing software. It could be daunting to switch or have to continuously learn a new program. In fact, I learned Premiere by telling a company that I knew Premiere when I didn't. And I just figured it out and, and really threw myself into the pool to make sure I knew it because I knew I needed to know it. So learning software is very important, especially if you lied and need to catch up. Today's episode is brought to you by My Software Tutor. Are your Excel skills optimized for your current job? Do you know the basics but need to learn more? My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. Yeah, I need a live instructor. There's a lot of video tutorials out there, but having someone ask questions feels a lot better, a lot easier. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at MySoftwareTutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Cardist. This is a service that basically helps you mail cards with a special message on the inside. They help you write that. That's amazing. Because Jamie's always laughing at me because I usually just write the person's name, dear so-and-so, and at the end just write love, Pat and Jamie. Just when you get to writing the card, you feel so put on the spot. I'm pretty expressive with how I feel in, in my relationship with my friends or, or with my family. So, yeah, it's also hilarious to be admitting that I feel like I'm really put on the spot and couldn't think of anything to say. Eight years of improv training down the drain. <laughs> but with so many birthdays, there's no time to shop for cards, write the cards, and buy the stamps. Now you can do it all right where you sit, because the Cardist Studio does it for you. That's great. I want more things where people do it for you. Make your life easier. Introducing a writing specialist for the message inside your greeting cards. 
The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in the card, and mails it for you. The post office... One, th- one tough thing when I used to live in Brooklyn was the, the lines at the post office. Insane. South Carolina, it's just... You walk right in, you walk right out. The most recent man who helped me was, like, smiling at me. <laughs> I'm so used to the post office just being like, get out of here. We have more people to get in. Don't you see the line? Hurry up. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No more errands. No more anxiety. For a message from your heart but not your hands. Sit back and just enjoy your relationships. TheCardistudio.com. Thoughtful, just got easy. And you can use the promo code DEATHPOD for 10% off all orders. Well, you mentioned this before, and I, I definitely, I, I can only imagine but what that must be like. If you're okay with describing what that day is like what that decision is like i yeah. think anyone who's going through it would feel a bit seen yes so for me making the choice it was easy in the moment okay. and now i look back and it i will always wonder if i did the right thing i knew in that moment what was going to be best for my mental health and okay. i needed to it's not the easy way out, but that's what I say about myself. I would never say that about anyone else. But for me, I needed to be asleep. I needed to have it done quickly. I needed to be in the hospital knowing I'm taken care of. For me, it was the best decision I could have made in that moment for me. And that's all anyone can expect. For some people, it is a much harder decision because if you have that decision, well, okay, so you're usually gonna have a decision either way up to the 20 weeks because you can, with early miscarriage, you can decide to miscarry miscarry naturally. That I don't think I could have emotionally handled. Um, A lot of people prefer, you know, not the risk of medications, the risk of surgery, um, and they prefer to do it naturally. And I completely commend anyone who can do that. I don't think I can emotionally, mentally handle that because even an induction and a birth is within a hospital. And so for me, I needed that, that piece, that security. But I look back and I question if I did the right thing because I had the choice for induction and for delivery and I would have been able to see my son and to hold my son. And with the surgery, you don't get to do that. And um, I never got to see him. I never got to hold him. And for me, it is, it's always something I'm gonna wonder about because I wish I could have. It would have been really traumatic and really hard. And some people absolutely do not want to do that because it will be too traumatic for them because they are not going to look like a baby, a newborn baby that you see in the movies, on TV, in pictures from your friends. Because for me, my baby was so early. He, they don't, you know, they progress, they grow while they're gestating inside of you. And it can be scary for some people because it's not, it, it's sad. It's sad, it's scary. It is, it can be a triggering, super traumatic thing. And so some people, it's easy to say, I'm not delivering. If I don't have to, I'm not doing it. I can't see that. And that was actually my husband's reaction. He said, I, I can't handle that. I cannot see him. 
And um, that played a factor too for me. And I said, okay, me either. <laughs> yeah. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't that I couldn't see him. It was just that I needed the thing that was easier for my mental health in that moment. I think it's a really, really hard decision. And I'm not sure there's anybody out there who doesn't question either before or after what should I do? Should I have done something differently? Because miscarrying naturally can be really hard. It can take a lot of medication. Sometimes you still have to have a DNC after if you don't pass all the tissue on your own. There are so many layers, so many complexities. And I think that I always tell people, no matter what you chose, you chose the right thing. And I think that's super important because no matter what you chose, you did what you needed or you did what you felt you needed or you did what you could with the choices you were given or if you were told what to do and you just did it, you survived, you, no matter what happened, no matter what you chose, you did what you had to to get through it because it's horrible you're there are no good decisions in this there are no happy choices there's you're never going to be glad in the end and so do what you have to do and you survive and i will i will tell everyone i meet that you did the right thing i i love that for so many reasons how can you, we all do it, right? And I love what you, I picked up on something you said where it's like, you are tougher on yourself versus yep. what you could offer. And it's like, oh man, we should all strive. It's easier said than, than done. We're always so much harder on ourselves. Yeah. Whereas you would never project onto somebody like that. You'd let them do exactly as what you're describing. But yeah, I love that. I, things are, the decision changes over time based on yeah. the clarity of more time and, and sitting to think about it, but you don't have that. Yeah. So no, you don't. You, you don't. A, you got a dealt of a fucking shitty hand. Yes. Thank you. I have been holding back. I swear like a sailor and I have been holding back because it is a fucking terrible situation. Let and it I out. Have, Let those I, I have limited myself. I never know um, if when <laughs> I do interviews what people <laughs> do on their channels or their whatever, but it is, and that's what I say, it is literally the worst thing I've ever been through in my whole life. I have been sexually assaulted. I, my father passed away 10 years ago. I have been through normal things, normal traumas that people go through and not worse than anyone, not, you know, whatever. But it is literally the worst thing I've ever been through in my whole life. And I think that I will ever go through unless I have another and then they will be tied if it, I ever have another because for me, And it's not going to be the same for everyone, but for me, it was the worst thing I've ever been through. And I highly, highly suggest anybody who wants to learn more um, to support someone, to educate themselves. Um, The other book that I cannot recommend enough is called I Had a Miscarriage. It's by um, Jessica Zucker. She is a psychologist. I don't want to get PhD, I believe, psychologist for reproductive health. So she did the work before she had her own miscarriage and she has the experience of her own miscarriage and she is amazing. The book is phenomenal. It goes into her experience and the experience of women who she works with. She has a huge Instagram. It's called I Had a Miscarriage, you know, so she's got so much experience, so much knowledge to share. It's a beautiful book. I will put out a warning she describes her miscarriage in detail and it can be triggering for someone who's been through it i found it incredibly amazing beautiful heartbreaking horrible 
and so worth reading. And I actually read it. This is crazy. I read it about three weeks before I had my miscarriage, having no idea that I was going to have one because I've connected with her. I'm friends with her on Instagram. She's amazing. And she's going through even more now, more trauma, but she's just the kindest person and her book is phenomenal. I recommend it to everyone and everyone because it's so complex and it's nice to hear her go through different experiences more than just hers. You know, there are going to be some women who are thankful that something happened. Maybe it was unwanted. Maybe there was something else leading up to it. Maybe there, you know, was health risks. Maybe they were in an abusive situation. Who knows? I never want to presume anyone's feelings, but for me, it was the worst thing I've ever been through and will go through. And, but again, that's why I love the idea of asking someone, do you want to talk about it? You know, do you, I don't know what to say. Can you please lead the conversation? Tell me how you are feeling. Tell me what I can do for you because you never want to presume anyone's feelings. You know, some people feel a huge amount of guilt despite it not being their fault. Some people never feel that because they are, you know, they know more about the medical. They know, you know, there was a genetic issue and it's not, not their fault. There's so many different feelings that can play into it. I do want to go back because I'm really good at going off on tangents um, to the thing you said about being harder on yourself. I think I noticed that so much with me because I now choose to work with others who have had losses. <laughs> I tell people, I just told someone yesterday, I said, any compassion you need for yourself, any hope you need for yourself, I can hold on to until you're ready to, but you deserve it too. Like you deserve empathy, compassion. Don't like try not to be hard on yourself. We all are. And I know we all are, but I would never talk to somebody else the way I talk to myself. And yeah. I see that because I have clients, I have partners in these relationships who I am incredibly empathetic and compassionate because it's easy. You know, it's what I want to do. It's what I do. And I don't always turn that on myself. And I have some friends who I have always said this to throughout life. And now it's such a big deal that they say it back to me is, would you talk to your best friend like that? Would you talk to me like that? And they say, no, then don't talk about yourself like that. And I think it's a hard thing for all of us to remind ourselves. Um, but it is self-compassion is a huge piece of the healing. And that's a great way of framing it, I think, yeah. personally, right? It makes yeah. it so simple. You could put that on a card and yeah. put it in your wallet or something and remind Right? Yeah. Would you say this to your best friend? Would you say this to your daughter? Would you say this to your mother? Would you, you know, someone you genuinely love unconditionally, would you say this to them? No? Mm -hmm. Then don't say it or think it to yourself. I know I said before in the very beginning, I'm an author and I've written some books about miscarriage now. The first one I wrote, it is called Miscarriage is Not a Dirty Word. And that goes into the thought of this shouldn't be a hush-hush thing, I believe, um, because all it does is add stigma. You are not a bad person for having a miscarriage. You are not guilty. You are not. And for me, that was what played into naming it. But the actual book itself is a lot about my personal experience, my miscarriage. I It is framed very differently because I wanted to do something different than the books that I could find on the shelf right now because they are so well done. Like I said, I Had a Miscarriage is one of the best books I've ever read in my whole life. I suggest it to everyone. Um, there is no good card for this. It's a great book on grief. 
I can give a million recommendations. Um, it's okay that you're not okay, the miscarriage map. There are a million books out there that are so well done in how they are done, I don't wanna compete with that. So I wrote my book very differently. It is a, it's a series of letters to my son who passed, who I miscarried, and poems to tell my story about what I was feeling, about, you know, what I dealt with, about the healing process, about, you know, the grief, the about everything. It's told in poetry and letters, and I'm also an artist, so there are also illustrations. So every every other page is an illustration with some form of text, whether it's letters or poetry. And so it's told very differently. I did that intentionally to be something new, something out there for those who maybe haven't found what they wanted to find on the shelf and needed some different form of being seen, of being heard, of feeling not alone. Because to me, if I can make one person feel seen, feel not alone, that's worth it. That's worth all the tears on the page. That's worth all my shouting into the internet universe is because... I never felt alone. I felt very supported by my medical team, by my husband, by my family, my friends, and not everybody has that luxury. And if I can be there for someone who needs it, that's what I want to do. And that's why I started coaching Mm -hmm. because I had this miscarriage. I say when my son died, the old me died and a new me rose from those ashes because I will never be the same again. I will not. And that's okay. It's not better, not worse. I'm just different. And you know, that was a huge thing to go through. So of course I'm different. Um, the scars of our experience. Exactly. Exactly. And so I will never be the same. And I say, he gave me a lot of gifts in the short 16 and a half weeks he was with me. And one of them is to know that I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. I worked in mental health for a decade before I stayed home with my daughter in the last three or four years. And um, I've always been an author. I've always written. I publish in mental health. I liked it. I never loved it. What I did until I found this purpose. And it's what I want to do forever. It's hard. It's draining. It's sad. I cry with most of my clients because this fucking sucks. Like, Mm -hmm. it's horrible. It's hard. But you know what? I want to be a support. I want to support the people who may not have the other supports they need. I want to be here for anyone who needs me, anyone who wants me, and not just right after or in the midst of a miscarriage whenever. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. I don't care if it was yesterday, if it's going on right now. If you are going through a rainbow pregnancy, you know, your next pregnancy and it's going well and you don't miscarry, it's still really scary. And I want to be here for that, for any type of loss. Just for me, it. He, my son showed me that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it's hard, but you know what? It's so fulfilling for me because I know there are too many people out there who feel alone and I don't want them to, you know? I think that's so beautiful. That's great that you're able to channel, uh, <laughs> you know, such an awful moment to, to helping others. I know we're, we're close to time here, but I had one other yeah. question. That yes, I, yes. And, and again, you, you're very open, but if, if this is not something that you want to discuss, totally fine. Ask. Okay. What was it like telling your daughter about, about, yes. You know what? Thank you for asking that. That is something I tend to remember to bring up and I didn't. So we got home from 
the sonogram. We had about 24 hours before we started the process of getting in for my surgery. And, you know, we get home and it's, oh my God, we have to call people. This is not something I'm keeping to myself. Obviously, I made huge posts on um, my Facebook, on my Instagram. I shared it and I continue to share it and I will for the rest of my life because I want people to feel seen. But in that moment, calling people who I know was harder than posting to, you know, strangers, calling my mother, calling my sister. I said, you know, I finished those phone conversations. My husband came upstairs because he was making his own phone conversations. And I said to him, I am so much more scared to tell our daughter than I was to tell anybody else, than I was to even feel it. It was, I was so scared because she is, she was five, almost six, and she understood, you know, she knew that she knew from the moment my husband knew that we were pregnant, we told her right away. And um, we plan to do that next time as well. That's just how we choose to do things. I don't believe uh, in myself for me keeping it a secret for those you know 12 weeks like some people say I choose to share it right away because those who know about it are the people who I want to grieve with anyways but anyways telling my daughter was very scary um, because I was I I felt like I had failed her which is not true oh my goodness yeah. nobody yeah. should feel that way but it was my own natural response I felt that I had failed her in giving her her brother and very scary. And she cried, of course. For those who have young children, they're going to ask things that can be triggering and it's not their fault. And of course, and I'm very open with my daughter. We said, ask anything you want. I don't care if it's weeks down the road, years down the road. If it's right now, ask anything you want. We've always been very open with her. We always, we don't talk down to her. We are, we talk to her like she's an adult and then she'll ask us if she doesn't understand something. Mm -hmm. So that was very important to me was being super open, super honest. She asked, you know, how he was going to come out of my body. We told her I was going to have surgery. She asked if he was it was, it was sad. You know, she said, so is he dead forever? Is he, you know, is he coming back? And it's some of those things that you may not anticipate them asking. But for me, it was super important to have that conversation with her. Super open, super honest. And it was really hard. It was super scary. <laughs> I, yeah. I, of course, I cried and then that makes her sad. But I will say also, you did nothing wrong. You are not doing anything wrong by telling them. You are not traumatizing them any more than anything in life does. She said to me several days later, oh, I'm over that. I said, good uh, for you, baby. Good yeah. for you. You know, <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, but I am so glad that you can process it. And I think for kids, it's really hard because depending on how young they are, mine is somewhere in between where she's old enough to understand, but young enough to only kind of understand. You know, she never saw him. She never felt him. I never felt him. It was so early. It was sort of this nebulous, abstract idea for her. Mm -hmm. And um, she was more sad when we lost our cat you know, a few years ago when we had to put an elderly cat down, she was more sad when her fish died. And I get it. I totally get it because she saw them and she never got to see him. She never got to meet my son. And so 
It's a weird thing, but we talk about him. I choose to talk about him more, not just when I told her. We talk about him a lot, and we try to talk about him in a positive light um, because I don't only want it to be a sad, scary thing for her. You know, we will say we plan to celebrate his birthday every year and make it a fun day for her, and we are going to put up a stocking for him at Christmas. We talk about him, and the reason we miss him is because we loved him. We try oh. to bring it to the positive, and we, it's okay to talk about being sad, and we say that too too and it's okay to be sad but we try to also see the other side of it and the reason we are so sad is because we loved him and so I find that a helpful factor and an important factor for me to talk about him both ways for her yeah I, I think that's so beautiful and I also think you know I'm not trying to tell anyone how to raise their kids but I right. think talking to them at a young age as an adult sets them up for I mean, it sounds weird to say set them up for success, but... But it does! Yeah, to handle grief as they get older. And and not just grief, everything. I mean, my kid told me the other day that she sabotaged me when we were playing a board game because she knows big words because I don't talk to her with only kid <laughs> words. I use anything that would come out of my mouth, and if she doesn't understand, she asks me. And that's the way I choose to raise my kid. And just like you said, I would never tell anybody else how to do it, but I see the benefits in her. Very I nice. see, you know, she... Um, is very thoughtful. She is very inquisitive. And I think a lot of that stems from the way we talk to her and the, we're super open with her. So. Yeah. And I think if they understand emotions at a younger age, it helps with empathy, right? If you yes. feel these feelings and you understand these feelings, you can empathize with someone else going through something which yes yes and she is so kind she shows when someone else is crying she wants to be there she wants uh -huh. to help and I think part of that is you know she's seen all of our emotions we've been open with them we've taught her about them I think that's a big deal so I do like to tell people if you can handle it talking about the positive as well is something that I think is good for them if you can handle it if you can't I will never tell someone how to deal with their miscarriage. I never will. I like to ask you share with me what you're comfortable with and I meet you where you are and we'll go from there. But sure. um, that is something that I have found that worked well for me and my daughter. And presenting like, options to somebody and being yeah. like, you may not have thought of doing this, but it may be yep. what helps you. So it, yep. the, these are the things that you can do and you do it. Yep. <laughs> yep. My biggest suggestion to anyone who is talking with someone who has had a pregnancy loss, infant loss, is letting them take the lead. Saying, like I said before, do you want to talk about it? Do you want help? What can I do for you? You tell me you take the lead. You tell me what you're comfortable with. Are you even sad? Are you, you know, whatever. It's just letting them lead the conversation. I always try to meet everybody where they are and I'm just here to support you. And that's, you know, just listen. Don't necessarily try to fix everything. I know that is our first response. Don't try to fix it. Just listen, just listen and let them lead the way. And then you'll know what to do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this discussion. It's been yeah. really incredible. You have a lot of wonderful, helpful things to say. And, and thank you for turning such a traumatic experience into a way of educating and supporting others. Honestly, for me, it was how I survived. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to say I'm a warrior, I'm a survivor, and it's how I got through it. For me, it was healing to um, be able to talk about it, to be able to help other people. It made 
I would never say losing him was worth it. Obviously, that's not how I want to phrase it. But with the shitty hand I was dealt, I've done the best I can since to try to remember him in the best way I can and try to do the best I can with the hand I was dealt. For some people, it looks very different than what I've done. It's not talking about it. It's, you know, healing in a different way. But for me, this is really important to me and it always will be. So I thank you so much for having me. I reiterate my opinion is only my opinion. I'm not a medical professional, but I am a coach and I am here to support anybody who ever wants to talk about it, anybody who ever needs support. I write about it. I talk about it. Anybody can message me anytime. I did want to say my Instagram handle is Maria in Madness. It's not Maria and Green. If you, if you search Maria and Green, you'll find me probably, but it's Maria in Madness because if anybody ever just needs to vent, needs, you know, I'm here. I'm here. I, my messages are always open. So to me, it changed my life and it's part of who I am forever. I love it. Well, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me so, so much. I appreciate it. Going right back to the intro, dogs eat magic mushrooms. Sometimes cows do, horses do. So all these other animals are eating them and visibly tripping out. That's hilarious. <laughs> what is a dog seeing when they're tripping? Just like a, a giant bone coming up and talking to them. <laughs> But yes, thank you so much to Maria Green. It's it's astonishing how little miscarriages talked about and, and just how many miscarriages and stillbirths and all that there are. I mean, it's an alarming amount. In the sense that if you know four women, there's a chance that you know someone who's had one. And not to forget the men either, of course, in a different way, but still very real way, men have to tackle the the loss of uh, a child through miscarriage and stillbirth and 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 that needs to be acknowledged as well and yeah so thank you again to maria getting back watching those halloween movies enjoy your weekend and i'll talk to you on thursday